You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Welcome to Big News Sports, featuring Lars Anderson, New York Times bestselling author of 12 books and a 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated, Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality, and Christian Miller, a national championship-winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian. All right, what a terrific-looking Monday we've got going on and a lot of things to talk about here on Big News Sports post Mother's Day. And a best wishes to all mothers listening and all the people that are listening that have mothers, and we all do, and we all love them. And it was a fantastic Sunday in my household, and I hope it was as yours as well. Uh, Christian, uh, you I've met your mother, and she's just she's a dear person. Um, I imagine you spent some time with her yesterday. I did, Matt. Uh, I did. You know, just she's real laid back and simple, but we had some nice time, and uh, we grilled out, cooked some good food, uh, which she loves to do, which I love eating her cooking. So. Um, we enjoyed it. My brother's in town and, um, yeah, just got to spend time together. So I had, I had a really good one. Did you guys have a good mother's day? Uh, I certainly did. I lost my mother 15 years ago, but, uh, I still try and live in her shadow every single day of my life. What's your, uh, what's the go-to dish that your mom cooks up? What's the one thing you can go, all right, mom, you're cooking that. Uh, it's tough, man. Cause she has so many different things that she cooks so well. She she is Italian. She makes some really good stuff shells. Um, so I would say stuff shells, um, some like shrimp linguine. Uh, but she she can throw down on the grill too, Matt. Um, there's really not really anything she can't cook. And then she's originally from New York, uh, but has been down south probably since she was 18 years old. So um, she's picked up on some southern cooking. So. When I say she can make it all, she really can make it all. You know, uh, I've seen you because oftentimes you'll grab lunch while we're doing the show. Uh, You're a pasta guy anyway, aren't you? Absolutely. Yeah, I I love spaghetti. I love shrimp linguine and uh, fettuccine and all that stuff. But, yeah, jambalaya, she makes really good jambalaya. I mean, (laughs) I can go on and on. Oh, yeah. Hey, Lars, what's up? Everything safe and sound in your world? How's your mama? My mama is good. Uh, she lives up in uh, Williamsburg, Virginia. And so I uh, uh, didn't get a chance to see her, but we had a nice conversation. And our tradition was always just to like kind of do a brunch, you know, a late brunch. And uh, we'd go out to go out somewhere and uh, just just spend time together. You know, my brother and I and mom and dad uh when we were younger and now uh you know ever since i left for college when i was 18 which was a long time ago um i don't know if i've spent a single mother's day with my mom isn't that horrible um it's just well you live far away (laughs) yeah 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 um but on mother's day i happened to bump into uh in an airport matt rule <laughs> the, the head coach of, the head coach of Nebraska 
And I couldn't resist, Christian, <laughs> to uh, go up to Coach Rule and uh, introduce myself and uh, said I did a show with you. And uh, he, he um, just he was he couldn't say enough nice things about you. And I, I don't know how much time you guys overlapped, but um, he, uh, he he's a big fan of yours. Yeah, we had some time together and, uh, you know, I would definitely uh, respect him as, you know, a man and, and how he carries himself and the things he does, uh, not only coach, but also try to, you know, and then obviously at the NFL level, I wouldn't say you're raising men, but just the way, the things he does to be a leader, right? Um, and, the kind, you know, because he's one of those coaches that he takes pride in developing guys and, and trying to be an impact on them outside of football as well. Um, he used to like to re- like reference books and, um, he's one of those guys that really goes into the self-help books and always is looking to, you know, help people out. So yeah, I've always respected that about him. And, uh, uh, you know, again, it, I, I, it, I mess around and give him a hard time, but yeah. I, I do hope he has success at, uh, <laughs> Nebraska. Um, you know, it did get me thinking and it's not, it's a topic that we haven't really like dove into in, in a lot of depth, but just, why is it that so many college coaches can't make the transition to the pros, right? I mean, go back to uh, Steve Spurrier, Urban Meyer, Nick Saban, uh, Matt Rule. Um, it, it's a very long list. I mean, I would say the success rate or the, the, the failure rate is far higher than the success rate. And I mean, I've sort of got, you know, my own theories on that, but you would think that these guys, and I'm sure they have, like they've studied the past, like Matt Rule studied what went wrong with uh, Miami and Nick Saban. I mean, everybody says, oh, it's the training staff, the doctor, they didn't let him allow, they didn't allow him to get Drew Brees and he had to get Dante Culpepper instead. And we've heard that story a million times, but um you know, there were and Saban did have a moderate amount of success. Everybody like paints him as this abject failure in the NFL. But if you really go back and look at uh, at the at the records and how close he had the team to getting in the playoffs one year, it wasn't as bad as people uh, thought. And it wasn't like he was fired, nor was he going to be fired anytime soon. So anyway, I just uh, it's it. it, it, it I just wonder, like, you know, if Matt Rule really studied what went wrong with Steve Spurrier, uh, you know, again, and a a host of other coaches um, that just didn't make it in the pros. I mean, and we again, Christian, we've talked about this a little bit. I mean, is there do you have just a not necessarily just about Coach Rule, but. Just uh, you're a, you you know your football as well as anyone, um, right? Well, here, 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 what you're getting at is is it's just the transition for coaches is is definitely not an easy one, and I think there's a lot of factors that goes into it. But here, here's the thing: um, people start to realize the dynamics of college football is entirely different than professional football, and that goes from um, the age group of men that you're coaching that goes to the way you can assemble your team. And in the NFL, you have salary caps and you have general managers and a whole bunch of other personnel and scouts um, who are involved in the, the team assembling process. But in college as a head coach it's normally to your leisure where, you know, you kind of have the final say on who you're bringing in. The athletic director is not necessarily pitching in on who you should, you know, recruit and offer scholarships to. 
Um, so I think that's one of the biggest things. Um, but from my experience, uh, being coached under a team by a first-year head coach, or first-time NFL head coach, Matt Rule, um, I think what kind of was difficult for him at least was, you know, he like genuinely brought his college system to the NFL. And I'm not talking schematically. I'm, I'm talking literally um, as a whole in terms of we had chefs from, brought in from Baylor, I believe. So he, yeah. really, he really brought – when I say he brought his team, he brought his team. The entire weight room staff was from his, his team at, at Baylor. The coaches, majority of those coaches all came from Baylor. So majority of those coaches were – it was their first time coaching in the NFL. Um, again, I mean, when I say as far as to some of the nutritionists, I mean, he really brought the nutritionists. So, I mean, he brought everybody. And I think with him – he kind of just had the same approach that he had in college, which I don't blame him uh, because he had success, right? He had success turning programs around, whether it was Temple or Baylor. Um, that That's literally what he was known for. And so obviously if it ain't broke, don't break it. Like, like it's, 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 it, that's what he was following. He was going to follow his process is what he liked to call it. It was very similar to Coach Saban. However, the, the issue is, like I said uh, like I preface this with, you know, the National Football League is entirely different than college. And that goes as far as coaching styles. You can't coach professional athletes who are pro bowlers and all pro guys the same way you necessarily coach college guys. Um, that's one aspect that I think definitely is uh, something to look at. But then I also think you have to realize um, you know, the NFL game is a lot different. And I've said this on here before, and I'll say it again. The team with the best players are going to win. You look at what you look at what the Rams did. They went and got Matthew Stafford. You look at who they had on defense, Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald. No offense, Lars, but that's why they won that game. Joe Burrow yeah. was great, but who 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 won the game for them? It was Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald. Yep. Thank you. So <laughs> that's that's how the NFL works. Who won the Super Bowl this year? Patrick Mahomes. No knock on Jalen, but Pat Mahomes had been there before, right? He was uh, he's a, a, a generational player. He ultimately won, and they have the best tight end in Travis Kelsey. That's how the NFL works. If I remember correctly, Matt Rule's approach was: I'm going to get guys who will buy into my process. I want to basically treat it like college, like how in college you recruit kids who are 17, 18 years old, and you're molding them, you're shaping them. That's right. That's exactly what he's doing at Nebraska right now. I mean, he's right. He, He's targeting like he three stars because yeah, no, and that's how he works. He did that in the they, NFL. Yeah, he wasn't going him. after he, yep. yeah. The, 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 in the NFL, he did the same thing. He he would he was not afraid to let go of the veteran who has five, six, seven, eight years in the league. He let those guys go if they weren't bought into his process, and he would replace them with an undrafted guy, with a, a one or two year guy that 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 still was figuring himself out. But if that guy was a good athlete. And that guy was willing to buy into the process. He'd give him a chance. And unfortunately, I think he he did a little too much of that, right? He probably should have had a little more balance. I'm sure he would tell you that too. You you unfortunately you got to have those those playmakers, those older guys. But you, you got to have them. And and I think it's a testament too. If you look at their draft class when he was with, with the Panthers, they drafted a lot of guys just strictly based on potential. They drafted guys saying, hey. This guy fits the build that we like. You know, he's a long, lanky corner that can run. He has a track background. He didn't really put up many impressive stats in college, 
but we think that he can, you know, be one of us. He used to use that term. He's called OOUs, one of us. Um, and so I say all that to say that that would be my explanation from my experience being coached by him and seeing how his system worked with him being a first-time NFL head coach. Um, it, he just – he tried – to bring the college system to the NFL a little too much. And I think it's okay if you do it to, to, to a degree, but at some point you have to adapt and you have to go off of, you know, how the NFL works and in terms of assembling your team with the right type of guys, the right talent, and so forth. So that that would be my explanation on it. Uh, right. But also, yeah, yeah, but also like you said with Coach Saban, Coach Saban wanted to draft one guy, the GM wants to draft. There's so many button heads in these rooms that also causes conflict. So that's not all on the head coach. So it's just a totally different dynamic. But I know that was a long-winded answer, but no, no, kind of gave that, me the great answer. That's a great, excellent analysis. And just a couple other uh, good college head coaches who failed in the NFL: Greg Schiano, Dennis Erickson, uh, Mike Riley, Lou Holtz, Lou Holtz is a Butch big Davis, uh, Bobby Petrino. Um, you know, it, it, again, it just goes on and on. Um, but. Uh, but yeah, anyway, Matt Rule sends his regards, Christian. <laughs> yeah, and I and, and likewise, I sent him back, and uh, I, I think again, I think he's going to have a good program there because he can he can run it the way he likes to run it and get those guys to really buy into his process. It just is very difficult to do that at the NFL level, but I think he'll have success in Nebraska. He's a, he's a son of a preacher, and man, that guy can talk. He is really smooth. Oh, it? he's motivational. Oh, trust me, he, he's that's that's what he's great at. His team meetings, but I mean, that's 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 where he really shines. I'll be honest with you. I don't know that that goes very far in the NFL, though. Quickly, Christian, does it? There's, a lot, there's not a lot of rah rah. Yeah, and, and that's kind of basically what I was getting at. I mean, those guys look—they're there to play ball, right? And you know that, man. They're getting paid big money to do what they do. They, it's almost like they don't want to hear all that. They just want—they want to make plays and make money. <laughs> that's exactly. Hey, that's the best quote we've had. Fifteen minutes in. Uh, hey, you're listening to Big Noon Sports, brought to you by Haley Sensing Union Home Mortgage. Uh, one of the best greatest uh, events that we have in this state took place this past weekend and I went out and enjoyed it with my wife Karen for Mother's Day I want to do a dive, a little bit of uh, a dive, personal dive if you will into what uh, the region's tradition brings to Birmingham and how cool it is. So anyway uh, hey you're listening to Big Noon Sports, bottom of the hour we'll be joined by Steve Irvine then 115 Mike Rodak and talk a lot of football a lot of baseball, that's all coming up on Big Noon Sports From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. 
Call Haley on her cell. Yes, her cell. 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. This is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to r and and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. A hot, humid afternoon. The chance of scattered showers and thunderstorms through tonight. The high today, 90. Tonight's low, 67. For tomorrow, a mixture of clouds and sunshine with scattered showers and thunderstorms around. The high at 87. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 91 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Candidly suggesting that when it comes to the PGA Tour, the Tour of Champions, and the region's tradition, that maybe they ought to just have a mercy rule. Because Steve Stricker just buries the field. He has won this tournament, including yesterday, three times, y'all. Every time he won by six strokes. He just, this course, he loves this course. This course loves him. He loves Birmingham. But it was just absolutely a whitewashing of the field. And I would go further to just tell you, if you haven't been and you don't go, just go for the event. Um, it's just amazing how everyone is treated out there. Everyone is treated, if I, I'd probably get hammered for saying, everybody's treated like they're a country club member. And that goes from the people that park you to the people that drive the buses to the people that will serve you a cold beer. It's just amazing, and it's very difficult for me to believe it's now 30-plus years. Um, I think my streak is still intact. Um, I love it. Went out there, watched it rain sideways, and it did, but it went through pretty quickly. And again, you just have to absolutely be impressed by the way that, the way that Greystone, the way that the volunteers handled the rain. Uh, they were back after a one-hour rain delay, and they finished up in sunshine. It was just a beautiful thing. But um, I don't know if Christian's been to this event. I know Lars has, but it's just a wonderful thing. And I'm not sure Gene Hallman and his crew, I mean, they are certainly given uh, a lot of credit for the success of this event. But I don't know, Lars, do they, does he get enough? I texted him last night, and I said, I'm not sure you get enough credit for what this is and what it has become. It's now a major on the Champions Tour. Yeah, um, and it's it, it, it's a great it's a great time just to walk the course and um, you know take your kids out there. Um, the, the the parking is uh, they, they've got it really figured out. I mean, Gene Holman's done a great job with that. Uh, with the you, you park and you hop on a bus and. Man, just takes you right to the sort of uh, front door, so to speak, and just uh, really makes it easy. And um, and you're right about Stricker. Uh, it's just like some courses just fit your eye, 
and uh, and certainly this one does for for Stricker. Um, and he's just, uh, <laughs> I think now, you know, I, I was even thinking like if I were to place a bet, like would I take Stricker or the field heading into this week, <laughs> I would have taken Stricker. I mean, uh, that's just how good he is here. Um, and I, I've never not had a terrific time at, at regions, especially when the weather is nice and, and, um, you know, it's just a it, it's a really fun time because I don't think there is a huge disparity between the top players on the Champions Tour and the top players on the PGA Tour. I mean, there's, a, 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 you know, I, I think Stricker put it this way. If Stricker played the way he did uh, this weekend, like say at a tip like at the PGA event this weekend, Stricker would have made the cut. No doubt about it. And uh, what he had contended, probably not, because uh, the, those guys were actually just killing it at the top of the leaderboard. But um, but the but the quality is so good. I mean, it, it, I know like it has this connotation. Well, it's just a bunch of old guys bumping around hitting the ball. I mean, absolutely not. <laughs> these these this is this is uh, this is high quality, enjoyable golf. I mean, they're still hitting uh, bombs, right? Well. Yeah. Well over 300, and um, you know this the the short games and just the, the the precision, gosh, and the consistency and and it, yes, you can see it on television, but you have a far greater appreciation when you're standing ten feet away from the guy, and then you just you follow him for a round or half a round, and you just see him do it over and over and over and over and. It's just it's almost robotic, right? And but that's that's the key to golf is, is being consistent, and, uh, and 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 these guys are. And and Stricker again, just uh, he he loves Birmingham, and Birmingham loves him back. It was a great tournament once again, and congratulations to Greystone, all of their residents, because they have they've got to put up with this stuff for a week plus, and. Uh, those people act as hosts in a wonderful way. And what Gene Harmon and the Bruno's event team does is just absolutely fabulous. So uh, other things to get into. I want to jump into this real quick, guys, because it was an announcement this morning that Matt Ryan is going has accepted and signed a contract to work as an analyst for CBS. But he followed up with a post that says, I'm not retiring. So... <clears throat> What, what the heck does that mean, Christian? You've accepted a job, but you're not going to take it if you make the team? Is that what they're trying to do here? I'm, I'm not sure I'm uh, I'm understanding this. Sounds like he's just keeping his options open, meaning um, – now, Craig, is he, is, he, is he a free agent right now? No, I think he's still with the Colts. No, oh. he's, he's a free agent. He's a free oh, okay. agent. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so but yeah, basically what he's doing is he's, you know, kind of slightly – Putting a toe in the water to transitioning to broadcasting, um, but keeping his options open if if a team you know needs a quarterback and he just wants people to know that he's available. And we we've seen that you know you look back at San Francisco, they had a quarterback dilemma um, in the postseason. Uh, imagine a guy like Matt Ryan is available. Why wouldn't they reach out? I mean, we heard that they reached out to Big Ben just to kind of test the water. So uh, Matt Ryan, who's a little more fresh than a guy like Big Ben, why not give him a shot to kind of just. Uh, help alleviate that that vacancy. So I think that's what he's doing. Or um, it could just be a team isn't satisfied with their quarterback position maybe a few weeks into the season and they want to give him a shot. 
Um, I mean, we've seen stuff like that happen. So I think that's what it is, Matt. He's he's kind of preparing himself to transition, but he's not fully ready to put it down yet. And and we that's common with a lot of guys. You know, they if you still feel like you have an ounce of football left in you, typically guys kind of keep that window open. Um, you know, I guess it's different for everybody. Um, but guys like that, that, I mean, look, the guy knows the game. He's been in the game for so long. I mean, if a team called him, he could show up and maybe prepare to play. I mean, that's kind of how it works with guys that have just played football for so long, whether it's him or Phillip Rivers or Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, it's his muscle memory at that point. So I think that's what he's doing, Matt. Just kind of transitioning a little bit, but also keeping his, his, uh, his options open. You know, last year when he was uh, playing for the Colts after spending his career with Atlanta, I really thought that he was going to be the missing piece uh, on a team that was going to rely on Jonathan Taylor and and uh, the offensive line and be a run-heavy offense. And and Matt Ryan would uh, be called upon just kind of like just manage the game. But it became evident very quickly, at least to my untrained eye, that he had just fallen off a cliff, right? Like, uh, it, it, it's it, it's so bizarre in sports how your, your athletic skills, they, they can just snap in the snap of a finger, diminish so quickly. And he just had trouble pushing the ball like 20 yards down the field. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you guys remember that Monday. I think it was a Monday night football game. It was just hard to watch. Um, so it, I, I would say that he's probably done unless, uh, you know, maybe a, a backup role would come in. But then do you really want to pay? Well, I don't know what the league minimum is at whatever years, 14, 15 years he's been in the league uh, to pay your backup quarterback that much money. Um, so if I uh, were to guess, I would say that his uh, his playing days are probably over. But a great career. And you know what? I think you can make the argument if he had won that Super Bowl, he would be a Hall of Famer. I think I could give a pretty good argument that he still should be in when you look at some of his numbers. Hey, we're going to continue talking football. We'll go USFL style. Stallions took one on the chin this past weekend. They're now three and two. Uh, I think they're one and only beat writer is Steve Irvine. And he's going to join us in just a few minutes as we continue on Big Noon Sports. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. The story of the nurse and the foot pain that nearly brought him down. I feel like I'm giving people their lives back. Robert lived to take care of his patients, but he couldn't do it unless he took care of his foot pain. I have plantar fasciitis. It'll almost put you on your knees. That's how much it hurts. His own recovery started when he got fitted for arch supports at the Good Feet store. Now that I'm pain-free, I can make these people feel better. Can't beat that. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. A DC lot from our home base right here in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. As respected industry leaders, we are here working hard for you in an effort to provide you with excellence in sports medicine, excellence in research and education, and excellence in sports injury prevention. We are here for you, aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com.
Hey, it's Big Sports. Good afternoon to you, and it is a pretty day in Alabama. Joining us now is our good friend Steve Irvine to talk a little USFL Birmingham Stallions, but uh, a lot about a lot of different things as well. Uh, Steve, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you guys today? I think we're all really, really, really good. Um, first up, uh, Stallions fall again, this time to Houston, who's now won three in a row. The Gamblers win it comeback style, 27-20. I have a quick theory I'm going to throw at you, Steve, and see if I'm even close. Okay. I don't think the Stallions, the Stallions, I think, are as good as they were last year. I just think everybody else has gotten better. I, I totally agree. I mean, I and I think that, I think Skip Holt saw that early. You know, I think he saw that, uh, you know, maybe even before the season, but certainly after the season started that uh, it's, um, you know, I mean, it makes sense because, you know, they, they've actually had, even though they don't have the OTAs and that type of stuff, you, you do have more continuity than you did. You know, last year you just threw 40-something guys together and said, hey, let's go play football. And, and you know, here you have the rosters are bigger. Uh, you know, I think there's what 53 now, and and uh, and and you have a chance to kind of have that continuity a little bit too with a lot of the guys. So I think it's definitely. I mean, I think I don't think it's even uh, even close, uh, really. I mean, I think it's much better than it was a year ago. So, so far through uh, this portion of the season, who who would the MVP be in your mind of the Stallions? Uh, well, Probably Alex Magoo, I guess. You know, I mean, it, it, that's a hard. That's hard to figure out. I, you know, I think Alex Magoo is really, you know, he he's not always. It's not always pretty, and he's not always. You know, I mean, he struggles at times. But I, you know, I think he's a guy that's kind of held this thing together. So I would think that uh, he would be the guy that you would you would look at right now. I think you know, Davion Davis was was another guy you would consider, but you know, he struggled this. Well, they did a good job of shutting him down this week, but. Uh, I, I think, you know, I, I would definitely start, you know, with Magoo. What are some of the things you feel like they they need to do to, to turn it around or clean things up? I know you said the teams are better, but do you see any signs of weakness or areas that they could improve upon? Uh, absolutely. I, I think what's hurting them right now is, is they're, they're struggling stopping the run and they're struggling running the football, you know, and just traditional run. You know, I, you know, I mean, you look at the other day, I, I think um, – I think Allison Goo had about 70 yards rushing, and I think as a team, other than that, they had, I think, 40, about 50 yards rushing, you know, just kind of a traditional running type thing. So I think they're struggling to run the football right now, struggling to block. I think they've got a couple good running backs. They just have, have not blocked well, you know, and run block well, and, and, and they've had trouble stopping the run. I mean, you know, part of it is, you know, two of the last three weeks they played West Hills, who's, Tremendous and, and Mark Thompson last week, who were probably the two best running backs in the league right now. Uh, so, you know, they faced two of the top three or, or two, two of the top running backs in the past three weeks. So that's part of it. But they're not they're not stopping to run, run very well right now. And so I think that's kind of to me, if they can figure those two things out, you know, be able to run the football and stop the run, it's it, it's just going to change things for them and turn things back to, to uh, you know, to, to, to going well for them. Hey, Steve, give us a brief update on Bo Scarborough. Well, you know, he, he's, I think he's going to be out uh, for the year, it looks like. Um, wow. He seems to be he seems to be moving around better. 
I, you know, so I don't know. Uh, but, um, right now it's hard to, it's hard to say, but, uh, yeah, I just, uh, you know, he went and got clean. I think he got a knee cleaned up and, and it just, it's just going to take some time, but, you know, I hope he can get back, you know, within, you know, by the, you know, by the last couple of weeks, but I don't know. It's, you know, you're only talking about five weeks left in regular season now. Yeah. And, uh, Steve, where, uh, did you, well, did, first of all, did you get a chance to see the XFL championship game and uh, how a team that was, uh, I think, had a losing record in the regular season ended up beating uh, the D.C. defenders for the championship? And I don't know how much of the XFL you got to see, but just uh, your overall impressions of the XFL season. You know, unfortunately, I didn't get to see much of it. Uh, I didn't see I didn't see hardly any of the champions. I watched a little bit of the championship game, but had something else going on and get a chance. But from what I saw, I, I just I just thought the level of, of play was pretty good, you know. And 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 I think so. I think the same with the USFL. I, I just I've been impressed with uh, the level of play, and I've said this before, and, and I really believe it is 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 if you if you really give these leagues a chance and really sit down and watch them. It's a pretty good level of football, you know. Now, now the problem is you you sit out in front of a TV and and you don't really know most of the guys out there, and and, and you you watch a little bit of it, and you go, oh, well, this isn't any good, you know, because you're comparing it to the NFL. We've talked about that before, but I think if you really sit down and watch these games, uh, it's a pretty good level of football, you know. It's not the NFL, but that's okay. It's, it's, that's fine. But I, you know, I, I saw a little. You know, I did get to see a little bit of the XFL, not not as much as I as I would like to, but I just didn't didn't have that chance. But you know, you Bob Stoops Stoops got him a championship, and now you know that was pretty cool, I guess. So, uh, I you know, and I, I hope they continue. I really do. Do you see at any point the USFL or the XFL, any of these spring leagues, uh, becoming like a farm type system for the NFL? I know. Technically, I mean, they're they're giving guys opportunities, but do you ever see that working out where officially um, they're like a farm league or almost like a developmental league for the NFL, or do you not see that happening? Well, I, I hope it does. I mean, I really hope it does. I don't know if it will, Christian. I really don't know if it'll ever get to that point. Uh, I, I would love to see it. You know, I mean, I could see a, a situation where, where you uh, almost, uh, you know, take the best of the XFL, best four of the XFL, best four, best four of the USFL, you know, maybe a year or two from now, if they're thriving and kind of develop one league for that, that would be kind of kind of cool. I mean, I think it'd be a great system. I don't know if it'll ever get to that point. I think, you know, money, you know, it depends on the money and it depends on the, you know, depends on the egos. I mean, because there's even been a little back and forth ego stuff with the USFL and the XFL. Well, yeah. You know, and that, that needs to stop. I mean, you know, that, that's not what it's about. You know, forget your ego a little bit and let's, let's figure out, you know, the best system. It's going to help this thing. So, I, you know, I could see it happening. I hope it does, but I, I just I don't know. Would the best team in the XFL beat the best team in the USFL? Boy, <laughs> I don't they know. Don't play uh, that game. They should play that game, and I, I wish they would. I mean, I you know, I I don't know. It, it'd be it'd be hard depending on how they you know depending on how they're playing. You know, I, I mean, the first four weeks of of watching New Orleans play. I, you know, I would think they could beat any team in the XFL the way they were playing. But then this, you know, this week they struggled. So, you know, I don't know, but uh, I, I would love to see it, and uh, somebody needs to make that happen. 
And finally, Steve, uh, what does the Birmingham Stallions have to do moving forward just to uh, defend their championship? What what area of the team needs the most improvement? Uh, well, health, health would help. You know, to bring some of these guys back because it looks like they lost Scooby right now. Uh, for uh, I think he's he went on the injured reserve, so you know, they lost somebody else. But uh, you know, I, I just think. Um, I just think they're struggling a little bit defensively right now, and 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 I think they've got some guys, they've got some pieces, and hopefully they'll have some more. You know, hopefully JoJo Tiller will get back, and Joe Jackson, you know, a defensive end. You know, for them, hopefully that'll happen, and and you know, if they can start playing a little bit better defensively, I think that'll uh, that'll help. And and you know, they've done a good job up until this week of of you know just finding a way to to make things happen, even when it's not pretty. And you know, this week. Uh, you know, they struggled in penalties, and really, if they'd have cleaned up the penalties, I think they would have won this week. But uh, you know, ended up. I mean, when you, anytime you have you know ten penalties, and all of them were at critical times, and and the the other team didn't have a single penalty, you know, it's hard to win. It's hard to win that game. I mean, it, it, so so if they can clean that up, and uh, you know, I think they'll they'll be fine. Yeah, penalties were just a real killer for them because you look at the other stats, you look at the box score on this, and you think, you, you know, that the Stallions have won by 10, 14 points. But anyway, hey, Steve, just give us a brief update. What's uh, what's happening on the south side with the Blazers football? Well, I, I mean, I, they're, they're kind of in a little quiet period right now. They're finishing up some, you know, some portal stuff, you know, just looking into, you know, a couple guys. I know they had a – I'm not sure who it was yet, but they had a recruiter two in this past weekend, and just kind of, kind of just working, getting you know, getting ready for uh, you know the full summer stuff, and and uh, just kind of go from there. But I, you know, I think where they um, where they left off in the spring were pretty good. I mean, I think they had a pretty good spring, and so I think they feel really good about themselves right now. And it just to be a matter of you know getting better this summer and getting ready for the camp. All right. Well, you know, we'll be checking back with you real soon, Steve Irvine. Thanks for being on the show with us. I appreciate you guys. Thank you, Steve. You too, as always. Um, Where are we going next? Uh, Y'all want to dive into the NBA? Because darn it, Lars, ever since you started liking uh, Jason, (laughs) he hit us for, Tatum went for 51. He scored more points than the 76ers did in the third quarter, by he was he he was spectacular, spectacular. I wanted if uh, I wanted to throw something at my TV, but I did not. Let's talk about that and John Morant when we get back on Big Noon Sports. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, 
Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Work is a part of all of us. Working drives us to push beyond what we thought was imaginable and allows us to come together again for the things that really matter. That's why the Alabama Department of Labor and the Alabama Career Center System is here to help you discover bigger opportunities than ever before. Visit your local career center or alabamaworks.alabama.gov. Funding provided by the USDOL, ETA, and Federal WIOA, an equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request. Brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters Association. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A hot, humid afternoon. The chance of scattered showers and thunderstorms through tonight. The high today, 90. Tonight's low, 67. For tomorrow, a mixture of clouds and sunshine with scattered showers and thunderstorms around. The high at 87. I'm James Spam on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 91 degrees in Tuscaloosa. On Big Noon Sports, Haley Sanson, Union Home Mortgage. Celtics 112, 76ers 88. Uh, they went back for game seven at the Garden, and uh, it was pretty much all over, especially a couple of shots into the third quarter. Jean Morant, excuse me, not Jason Tatum, excuse me. Boy, that's, that's a big mix-up. But uh, he just went crazy, um, and he ended up scoring 51 points, and and if you go back to the game before that, the final minutes of the fourth quarter, this has been all Tatum. Tatum beat the 76ers in the last couple of games. Lars, I know you love this guy, former Duke player. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it was just like a carryover from game six. Remember when he started, I think like one for 14 or something from the field and then just turned it on in the fourth quarter and that carried over. Uh, into uh, in, into the game uh, yesterday, and um, you know uh, he <laughs> he was uh, he he was confident. You know when he walked into uh, TD Garden, he was wearing a, a hot pink button down shirt with the number seven circled on the back, and uh, then proceeded. That he scored more than anyone in a do or die game in NBA history. I mean mm-hmm. that's. And, and, and it's funny, you know, because we were just talking about Steph Curry two weeks ago when he uh, scored uh, 50, right, in, uh, in, in, uh, in a 112-88 win. And, uh, and then um, Tatum goes for 51. And, uh, and even uh, Bob Ryan, right, uh, he has been covering the Celtics since Bill Russell. Right, the legendary sports writer of the Boston Globe. Yeah, I'm familiar he's, with him. He said, "Yeah, he uh, he's an old curmudgeon." Uh, I, I actually like Bob, but um, you know, he was telling reporters after the game. It's funny, like reporters now interview Bob because he's he's sort of like <laughs> he's sort of like living history of of all things Boston. And and he said that Tatum's achievement was the greatest game seven he's ever seen from someone in a Celtics uniform. 
Uh, and I mean, and that includes Larry Bird uh, dropping 39 points uh, in Game Seven against, uh, uh, it, uh, sorry, against uh, um, uh, against the Knicks uh, in in Game Seven. 39 points, 12 rebounds, 10 assists. So, uh, but nobody's ever liked Tatum. I mean, um, he just. He was just feeling it. I mean, Christian, like the the, he was making like, you know, he was juking guys and then making fadeaway threes, and he was going hard to the rim, and he was doing everything that um, that uh, um, Embiid and uh, James Harden didn't. I mean, James Harden, come on, yeah. <laughs> yeah, nine points for James Harden in like 41 minutes, I believe. I mean, it's unacceptable. Yeah. Then MVP, uh, Embiid, I think 15 points, right? Um, so the two of them combining for 24 points. I mean, they, you, you can't. Uh, it, that explains the blowout. But then you got to tip your hat to the Celtics. Um, you know, they shot 45% from three. But like you, you all both said, it's highlighted by Jason Tatum and um, the guy is phenomenal. You know, he is he idolized Kobe Bryant, and he almost looked Kobe Bryant-esque um, in that game. Um, but, man, I, I hate it for you, Matt. I know your Sixers were this close, but I hate to say it, it's almost a common theme, though, uh, with these, these uh, Game 7 <laughs> uh, disappointments with them. But yeah, I think you just, I mean, in the Garden, you got the Celtics playing the way they played. I mean, I think any team would have struggled to beat them that night. <laughs> there's a camera on Doc Rivers during a timeout in, in the second half as as um, Boston was pulling away. And all Rivers could say was, come on, guys. Come on. Come on. <laughs> and it's just yeah. like, wait a minute. This is the That's coach. That's all you can do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know there's nothing. No, it's just um, – I, I, I don't know. It's just in games like that, your best players have to show up. And they didn't. And Embiid, right from the jump, he was not aggressive. I mean, he had opportunities to get to go one-on-one to the hole, and he just wasn't doing it. And um, suddenly, like, for three-pointers, like, I, I don't know. I, I don't understand the, the 76ers game plan. I think it was just – it was carryover again from game six when they had a golden opportunity to wrap it up at home, and that slipped away because Tatum just basically took it away from them. And now you have the Celtics playing the eighth seed Miami Heat, um, which, uh, uh, you know, should be a somewhat interesting series. But, I mean, on, on paper, you would think Celtics and maybe five, um, and then perhaps going against the Lakers, or actually I think I think Denver is going to end up being winning this whole thing. But about the um, – jeez, uh, um, uh, uh, excuse me. About Miami, Jimmy Butler – is having an amazing playoff run. That guy is so good in the playoffs, and it'll, it'll be fun to watch Butler and Tatum go head-to-head in this upcoming series. I, I don't know if you've had a chance to see much of Jimmy Butler, uh, Christian, but it, he's just phenomenal. No, he really is, and he does always seem to step up in the postseason. And that, That's why I don't think – do not sleep on this uh, Miami team. I, I'm telling you, I think they're going to make this series competitive. Um, but real quick, going back, it's exactly why I'm glad the Lakers got it done in six, because I feel like we could have saw that very same outcome 
if they did for uh, the Golden State Warriors force the game seven to head back to the Bay and, and play a game like that. I, I could have seen it getting ugly like that as well. Um, so I'm just excited to see LeBron and, and, and AD take on the Nuggets. I, that matchup to me, just like you said, uh, uh, Butler and uh, Jason Tatum, I think that's going to be fun. But I think one that might be even more exciting is a cross over in the West with uh, uh, Anthony Davis taking on uh, Nikola Jokic. I think that is going to be something to watch out for. I'm really excited, honestly, about both these conference finals. And uh, if I had to... Man, I think I'm with you, Lars. I think I'm leaning probably Denver taking on Boston in the finals. Yeah. Would y'all agree with that? Or, or Matt, yeah. do you, do you, do you yeah. lean differently? No, I think that's the way it's going to be. But uh, there's an interesting factor in both of these series. And the fact that Miami was really, you know, barely on the radar when postseason began as an eight seed. But I think everybody, a lot of eyes, I know it's Boston Celtics, okay, and Miami. I mean, those are big markets, a lot of fans. But the the, the Denver-LA series is going to get a lot of eyeballs. And they'll, they'll certainly have mine. I know, Christian, you'll be on it because you're, you're a big Lakers guy, big LeBron guy. That's right. I'm excited for it. It's going to be a good one, Matt. It will. Hey, well, we got another hour to go. Next hour, we'll talk a lot of uh, Alabama info. Uh, as we'll be joined by Mike Rodak. And there's some cool stories uh, that may not be above the fold, but they're worth bringing up. The universal truth of women's shoes. The cuter they are, the more they hurt. You have to put your best foot forward, and if your best foot is an ugly shoe, oh my goodness. Ann thought she had to choose between looking good and feeling good until she got fitted for arch supports at the Good Feet store. Now I can wear the shoes that I've picked out because I like the way they look, not because they were comfortable. Good Feet relieved her pain and her fashion dilemma. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. You've probably seen their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. It's luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Miz and Main. And if you haven't tried the Miz and Main dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel redefined. Work is a part of all of us. Working drives us to push beyond what we thought was imaginable and allows us to come together again for the things that really matter. That's why the Alabama Department of Labor and the Alabama Career Center System is here to help you discover bigger opportunities than ever before. Visit your local career center or alabamaworks.alabama.gov. Funding provided by the USDOL, ETA, and Federal WIOA, an equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request. Brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters Association. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of RR Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street, across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to RR and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around, and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world renowned cigar and spirit. It's destination. 
the children's music and dance teacher who couldn't cha-cha. I was always on my feet. It was just so painful. Elisa couldn't let her students down, so she stepped up and went to the Good Feet store for personally fitted arch supports. I would work an entire day, and my feet didn't hurt at the end of the day. That was when I knew, wow, these are different. But the really good part? It's good to be dancing together again. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. We are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers who are resilient and won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches, athletic trainers and mentors who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. WTUG HD2 Northport and W265CG Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller. Presented by Samson. Got a lot to cover this hour. We'll be joined in just a few minutes by a few minutes by AL.com's own Mike Rodak. Uh, some things to talk about there, from softball to baseball. Uh, to really just, guys, Jalen Hurts just, I don't know, he's a 10 on my impressive scale. I read over the weekend the guy went out and got his master's. And uh, I don't think that's an easy task while you're playing football. We could get that answer from Christian Miller. It's definitely not easy, uh, and I, I applaud him for going back and doing that because um, I did it while I still was in school, so I was still on campus, and um, and while that wasn't easy, I mean, imagine a guy who was just contending for a Super Bowl a couple of short months ago. Um, that means he's obviously probably been working on it throughout the season, um, I'd imagine, uh, but just awesome for him. But, again, doesn't surprise me. Um, we all know the type of character guy that Jalen Hurts is, so. Um, just adding adding some more hardware or paperwork to his resume. I mean, what's new? I mean, this guy this guy's so decorated and, and rightfully so. So, uh, really happy for him. Yeah, he um, he earned his undergraduate degree at Alabama uh, from Alabama, and um, you know, we I'd see him frequently around campus because he uh, he was in uh, the Reese Pfeiffer Building where I teach quite a bit. Um, he was, and by by all accounts, very good student. Um, and then at Oklahoma, he started working on his master's in human relations, and um, he got it. And you know, just good for him. You know, he he has more money now than you know he'll ever need, and uh, more money than his kids will ever need. His kids' kids will ever need. Uh, the, the the he's he, he's set. But, um, you know, uh, he, he has said in many interviews that he was inspired by his mom, um, who was a special education teacher uh, around the time that he was a freshman in college. And, and, um, and, and she saw some of her colleagues being laid off. And so she went back to school and she got her master's degree and she became a counselor and and um, so uh, that's sort of the, the, the inspiration behind it. 
Um, you know, what a what what an eventful uh, few months for for Jalen though. Uh, in February, plays in the Super Bowl. Um, I mean, comes within just minutes away from from orchestrating the upset, and he played at a really high level. In April, he signs the five-year contract extension worth $255 million, making him the highest-paid player in NFL history. And then this weekend, he gets his master's degree. So uh, good for Jalen. Good for Jalen. Yeah, I think he does uh, everybody proud, whether you consider him Oklahoma or Alabama. I just consider him a wonderful person and a very brilliant man. And, you know, guys, uh, was it three, four years ago? Oh, I don't think anybody could have predicted it. You could have predicted the Masters, but I don't think you predict him being the runner-up to the MVP no, and getting no. the Eagles to the Super Bowl. I, I think most people would no. know. No, I, I don't know. Probably if so, but does this go ahead? Does this go settle ahead. the debate? I was just going to say, does this settle the debate now? With if he's Oklahoma or Alabama, I mean, now he's he's got an official degree from both, right? So can we just call it even? I mean, I feel like I feel like it's fair to just say he's. He's obviously alumni of both. He's got paperwork from both schools, so let's just let's just settle it there. I, I, and I'm the one bringing it back up, so I'm at fault now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I but don't. I agree with you. It's, it's been good. more time at Alabama. <laughs> He's been, his formative years were at Alabama. There you so. go, Christian. Thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> See, in, in that in that's fair, but I, look, I'm I'm willing to to loan some credit to Oklahoma because he just walked across that stage. Now before. He didn't have a degree, so I could understand that. But now he's got a degree. They give them a little credit. We'll call it sixty forty, though. Maybe yeah. seventy thirty. Seventy thirty, I think, is fair. We we say seventy percent. <laughs> on, on the football side of it, though, it's don't you think working with Lincoln Riley just really helped him, or just working with the, 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 a different coach? I, I'm not saying anything bad about the Alabama coaching staff, but that but Tua was no, clear. No, that's a fair point. No, that's a very fair point. I'm just going to say that I think if you ask him, he'd be the first one to tell you uh, that he's grateful for every single person and organization that he's been a part of. That Because I, I truly believe, and I, don't, I know it sounds cliche, but I think this is a prime example of uh, so many people just playing a role into helping him get to where he's at. I say Alabama helped mold him as a football player for sure, but I think even greater they molded him as a man and his character, um, that type of adversity, you know, being benched, right. Uh, then coming back, still competing and then just, you know, sticking with your team, being supportive, working on all the little things you need to work on, fueling him and transcending him. So when he did get to Oklahoma, when he worked with a guy like Lincoln Riley, uh, who was a known quarterback developer who also helped, uh, him on his journey. I, I truly believe that both schools equally helped transcend him into the man and player that he is today. And uh, and like I said, it might be slightly different. You know, Alabama might have been a little more on the character side. Ultimately, by the time he left, Oklahoma could have been a little bit more on the athletic side. But I think together, I think those two schools or both schools and, and both situations um, truly really are what led him to where he's at now. And I think he would be the first one to tell you he's forever grateful for both. Because, um, I, I mean, I, I really do believe that I'm a firm believer in that, you know, Things are going to work out the way they're supposed to work out, right? Um, and I think this is a testament to that. You know, he probably didn't even necessarily see this. I know he was full of confidence in himself, but I highly doubt he saw this at that time, you know, when he was getting benched, that it would play out the way it played out. And but look on, looking back on it, I'm sure he's forever grateful for the way that it did work out. And he'd be probably grateful that he did get benched 
because uh, I think that's a huge part of his journey, honestly. I mean, oh, think yeah. about it. Yeah. If he didn't get benched, he might not have been playing in a Super Bowl. And I know that sounds crazy to say, but just think about it. Like, a matter of small events can change a whole timeline. And you never know. What, what it say, let's, let's hypothetically speaking, if he didn't get benched, would we still see him having the success that he's having? I don't know. Yeah, uh, I agree. I agree. Because then maybe he doesn't transfer. Um, maybe uh, six, you know, who, who knows? But I, I was just going to say um, that I think his greatest athletic like moment in college took place on the sideline of the Georgia Dome when he stood right next to Coach Saban uh, after he got benched. Uh, and was just the the biggest cheerleader possible. Uh, he didn't, you know, just go sulk. Uh, he just showed great character, and it was so obvious he was a team first guy. And 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 I know that uh, that that this probably should be the expectation for everybody, but it but it's simply not the case in the heat of the moment. We all know that, and the profound disappointment he felt. But then and then after the game. When he was interviewed, he could barely contain himself. He was so happy for Tua. Yeah. You know, it was not about him at all. And it was about team, team, team. And I think everyone in the country saw that. And if you didn't know Jalen before then, afterward, you were really prone to like the kid because of the way he handled that moment. Well, you know, you also got to, to know me as well from that interview because I don't know if you've seen it, but the <laughs> clip that they always play is is I walk by and I like pat him on the head as he's doing that interview. <laughs> oh, every yeah. time, and it's like every single year ESPN decides to repost that video. It's just funny because I'm like, oh, here I come, here I come. No, cause <laughs> I, I remember it specifically. He should be but, getting residuals for that. Yeah, yeah exactly right. Now, I mean, it's clear as day. You see, you see the big mustache and the 47 walk right by, <laughs> pat him on the head, and tell him how proud I am uh, while he's doing that. But, did but you, no, Lars, I, uh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask. Did you have any idea that it was going to be a possibility heading into the game that Tua might come in? Absolutely not. I'll be honest with you. I don't even think Coach Saban necessarily knew that. I mean, really? unless he said otherwise. And well, maybe he said no. Maybe he said otherwise in the interview. I could be wrong. But I mean, you know, we we do walkthroughs and stuff, right? I mean, there was no like, okay, you know, if we're having a tough time throwing the football or you know moving the ball, you know, we'll look at maybe the, look. The coaches talk about some stuff up there in the staff room that we don't hear about. So maybe they had that idea at the back of their mind. But if I remember correctly. I don't even. I think it really was just a halftime adjustment. Like I don't think they went into the game with that game plan. Uh, but I will say though, um, it, look, it, and I'm not taking anything away from him being uh, happy for Tua. But you got to think, who would be? He's not even a look. If you're getting benched, regardless, you might as well get a national championship ring while getting benched. Imagine how yeah. that would have felt <laughs> getting benched, and then we lost the game. That would have been even worse. Uh, so he I, I think back from that though. Oh, he definitely would have. But um, yeah, no, and, and knowing him with his team, team first mentality, man, he it makes sense why he was just so ecstatic because we were winners, right? Like, yeah, you know, it wasn't the prettiest performance by him, and he got benched, but we accomplished our goal, right? And I'm telling you, as a team, like every year, that's what that's the ultimate goal. And I know, obviously, yeah, sure that you know that, but it's just when you look back, at, like after you win a national championship, it's just amazing how you look back. And it's like we started this thing really in the spring with four quarter. 
and we're talking about championship then. Like we're like the, the reason we keep reminding ourselves the reason we're 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 busting our tails right now. The reason we're going through it, we're about to throw up, we're about to pass out, is because we want to win a national championship. And then once you finally accomplish that, and you kind of you know look back on it, it's amazing how it's like it all came together. And uh, I think you can see that in his face and his emotion in that moment because he he knows the work he put in. And even though that night wasn't the greatest. Uh, for him individually, he knows of what all went into that moment. And it's, it truly is special once it all comes together. And, Guys, uh, as we go to break here, let me just read you this. And I just, again, am in awe. His uh, final year in college football, 2019 at OU, he threw for 3,851 yards. He threw for 32 touchdowns versus just eight picks. He ran the football for 1,298 yards and scored 20 touchdowns. That made him the second highest ballot for the Heisman. He came in number two to who, Lars? I don't even remember. Joe Burrow. (laughs) Joe Burrow, of course, yes. How could I forget? Uh, I'm not going to lie. I forgot the greatest Heisman that. speech in the history of Heisman speeches, by the way. Uh, <laughs> of course. Uh, hey, let's uh, let's move along. Get uh, Mike Rodak from AL.com, a couple other Alabama notes that we're going to get into. And probably ask him a little bit about Jalen Hurts, too. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. From our home base in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation. Across the United States. And from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers. Trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers. Who are resilient. And won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches. Athletic trainers and mentors. Who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you. Aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. At 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. A hot, humid afternoon. The chance of scattered showers and thunderstorms through tonight. The high today, 90. Tonight's low, 67. For tomorrow, a mixture of clouds and sunshine with scattered showers and thunderstorms around. The high at 87. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 90 degrees in Tuscaloosa. He's frequently with us from Hale.com, Rodak. Uh, Mike, we normally just jump in and talk about football, and sometimes we're talking about basketball. Uh, I want to jump to softball. Um, Alabama got a five seed they're going to host. 
um, there were some people in the nation that were critical of that and saying that they were a little, they were not deserving. What's your read on it? Uh, you know, I, I, to be honest, I haven't followed it too much. I was on vacation last week, so I didn't really right, you see were. what was, where, where they're projected going into it. Um, but I know, I mean, like RPI and strength of schedule, I think they're 12th in RPI from what I read. And, you know, you play a tough schedule in the SEC. I think the stat I saw yesterday is 11 out of the 12 teams made it. Um, so, you know, I, I think there's some level of just conference, and, you know, I think people outside the SEC will probably call it like an SEC bias, um, but probably an acknowledgement that Alabama's played a, a tough schedule and a tough conference. And um, historically, you know, is a program that's it's going to be there every year. Um, that probably gives them some level of uh, you know of credit, or at least a little bit of room for error, if you will. So that that's my sort of outside read on it. But it seems just from kind of from afar following the reaction um, yesterday, you know, that seemed like it was a surprise because, you know, they've had their ups and downs this year. It's not um, the dominant team that it was a couple years ago when they went to the World Series. So we'll have to see how far they go. It certainly seems like the draw that they got in this regional is um, better than what they, they had last year and uh, you know, could very well get them back into the Super Regional. Mike, what's the update with uh, Montana Fouts? Uh, I know she suffered, I think, an apparent leg injury. Um, is she going to be good to go, do you know, uh, for the upcoming regional? Yeah, I'm not sure. I saw yesterday, you know, Nick Alvarez, who's been covering softball for us at AL.com, had mentioned that I guess she was seeing a specialist in Tuscaloosa. Um, but beyond that, I, I I didn't cover the game where she was injured last week, so I, I just don't really know. Uh, Mike, it's a slow time in the sports here. What, what kind of stories are you working on? Is it more like long, long-term projects, or uh, are you already looking toward, uh, you know, the start of Alabama football? What, what is it that's uh, that's sort of on your plate right now? Uh, swim lessons actually for my son today. That was <laughs> probably, as you guys know, it's ninety degrees outside, and it's every single day the next two weeks. So we're outside at this pool and standing in the sun for an hour in 90 degree weather, watching my son cry because he's having his first swim lesson. So that's that's actually what's on my plate today. Um, it's that time of year, you know. May, that's actually that was like one of the most tr- Mike that was, watching my son Lincoln when he was like three, trying to get uh, the the swimming lessons in the pool and the crying. I think it was like way more traumatic on me than on Lincoln. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I mean it's yeah, you're just watching them struggle, but yeah, I guess you understand that there's a there's a purpose there. So still have one of those every single day the next two weeks. But I mean, I was actually thinking back um, this weekend. I I'm like, man, a year ago this week in the middle of May when we thought everything was quiet was when the Nick Saban Jimbo Fisher thing happened. Oh, um, yeah. So <laughs> May can be a, a sneaky month in that regard. You, you don't really know what's going to pop up. But, I mean, yeah, there's softball. There's there's baseball, the tournament, you know, coming up next week. And, um, you know, baseball is obviously in a good spot, you know, to be in the NCAA tournament and see what they can do there. But, um, you know, football-wise, it's a month where, you know, Nick Saban's going to be on vacation. Recruiting dies down to some extent. But... 
I mean, it's nine weeks from today is, is SEC media day. So it's always a, you know, it's never too far away, football. Uh, that brings to mind the SEC meetings, uh, which occur annually around this time down in Destin, Florida. You got any idea of some of the topics that they'll be hitting on? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the schedule is going to be number one. And I'm actually a little bit surprised that there hasn't been a resolution to that you know, by now, the middle of May, that we've heard from a while now from Greg Sankey saying they wanted to have something done really by the meetings. I guess the meetings I think he referred to as like the absolute, you know, back end of, of the, the timeline for him. Um, and we're two weeks away now from, from the SEC meetings, and there's still no announcement about the schedule. There's no indication that there's been a, a, uh, a hard consensus. But, I mean, I think at some point, as Sankey said, they're just going to have to vote on it. And um, it, it seems like the, the votes for the nine-game schedule with the three permanent opponents would win. But it doesn't seem like that's going to be a consensus or you know a unanimous decision within the room. Um, and I think Sankey certainly tried to build more consensus and get everybody on board. I don't know if he's going to be able to do that in the next two weeks. Um, but that's that's the big topic because that that's pretty important. I mean, in terms of you know how you're um, structuring your future schedules. Do you have another Power Five opponent? Do you not? Um, are you changing your schedules going forward? I mean, there's there's a lot of things that kind of fall out from that. And TV deals as well. I mean, do they redo the TV deal? Um, because there's an extra conference game every year. Um, I know there's there's talk about, I think within the TV deal, there's more money that would automatically trigger, um, but it, the way it's divided, I think, would also be an issue. So that that's going to be the big the big thing, the schedule. I mean, there might be some things about, um, you know, post-game celebrations and, and field stormings and what they can do there. Um, you know, as I think Pat Forty had that story a couple weeks ago about maybe do you take away a home game you know, because you you storm the field instead of just giving it a school a fine. I think that's that's something that's going to be brought up as well. But um, you know, those would be, I think, the major issues. Mike, hypothetically speaking, they go with the nine and three uh, schedule format. Who are Alabama's three fixed opponents? Yeah, so I mean, there was I want to say reporting, but there's I think very informed speculation on the part of Ross Dellinger, who's very um, tied in at the SEC office uh, from Sports Illustrated, that it would be Auburn, um, Tennessee, and LSU. And I think the first two are obvious. Like we all know, Auburn and Tennessee would be the first two. Um, and then the third is really what the topic of debate is, because LSU kind of carries the most punch in terms of you know, TV ratings and fans and ticket sales and all that, you know, I think to make it even, if you will, or to kind of balance things out, um, Mississippi State, I think, is geographically the better fit for Alabama to be the third school. And that's kind of where Saban came out. I think it was early March when it was Ross Dellinger who had the story, the interview with, with Saban, and Saban was complaining, really, that um, LSU – Tennessee and Auburn would not be a fair slate for Alabama because another school might have Vanderbilt or South Carolina or whatever. Um, and, the, and the SEC is looking at like a 10-year success model when they do those. And there's no perfect way of doing it because, I mean, Tennessee had a great year last year. They look like a daunting opponent on the schedule right now for Alabama. But a couple of years ago, they weren't. I mean, that was a bad team in, in kind of the late Jeremy Pruitt years where 
Alabama was just beating the stuffing out of them. I mean, Auburn a couple of years ago might have been more formidable than they look right now. Um, so things change, and, and year to year things change. Every couple of years things change. I don't think there's a, a clean way for the SEC to make everything fair and equal and even. I think at the end of the day, the SEC has got to put the best games on the field. And to me, I think the better game is Alabama-LSU than it would be Alabama-Mississippi State. Do you think there's one team uh, or one school that's going to be more upset than uh, everyone else, than any other, than uh, any other school or coaches uh, based on what you're hearing this new format is going to look like? I mean, I think Auburn probably has it the toughest. Uh, I haven't seen anything vocal with, with Hugh Freeze coming out, but I mean, their historic rivalries are Alabama, Georgia. Um, yeah. And, you know, they already play both of those schools every year. Alabama already plays Auburn, Tennessee, and LSU every year. So it's not like anything's changing in that regard. It's more, you know, how does it compare to everybody else in, in the new system? And honestly, like, I think Auburn would have it tougher than, than Alabama would. Auburn playing Georgia, playing Alabama every year is, is tougher than playing, you know, Auburn and Tennessee or Auburn and LSU. So, um, Agreed. that's, that. that's, yeah, that's probably the, I'd say the toughest schedule as long as Alabama and Georgia stay on the top of the SEC, which I think generally is going to be true for a while, then they have it the toughest. And that's, again, like, how do you break up those rivalries? I mean, the oldest rivalry in the South, you have the iron bowl. You can't just get rid of those games annually. So you just sort of have to swallow it. I uh, I couldn't imagine a season without Alabama playing Tennessee and, and Auburn. I just couldn't imagine that at all. Hey, uh, before we let you go, Mike, <clears throat> we did a, a little bit of a dive, actually more than that, on Jalen Hurts with the news that he had uh, earned his master's degree at the University of Alabama. Just, is anything, are we at the point now, Mike, where nothing this guy does surprises us? Yeah, Oklahoma, I think. Um First masters, but yeah, it, it, um, you know, he's a guy who I think has come a long way where, you know, even you ask me, honestly, when the Eagles drafted him in the second round, you're just kind of like, eh, like maybe he'll start one day, like for a little while, maybe work out. Like just one of those guys you didn't really feel great about. Um, like Kellen Bond going to the Vikings, you're like, eh, you know, maybe he'll become a starter, but he's probably going to be a backup in the NFL. That's sort of where I landed on Jalen Hurts. Like, I just didn't, didn't totally see it. Um, and he proved a lot of people wrong. I mean, to become the starter, first of all, in Philadelphia and hold down that job as an NFL starting quarterback, which is not easy to do, and then to lead your team to the Super Bowl and get the contract that he did, um, it's just one thing after another. So, yeah, I mean, it's, you go back even further, I mean, Obviously, all the things he did at Alabama, coming in and starting and losing his job and coming back in the SEC championship game, and it's, it's resiliency. Um, you know, there's definitely a lot of that there. And, um, you know, we'll have to see where things go. The NFL has a way of kind of eating people alive, and you never really know what's going to happen a couple years from now. But it seems like he's in a good spot. It seems like the Eagles are in a good spot. And for his sake, hopefully, you know, everything continues on an upward trajectory. As always, uh, before we let you go, tell everybody where they can follow Mike Rodak. Yeah, on Twitter, at Mike Rodak, also on uh, AL.com. All right. uh, 
Thank you, Mike. We'll talk again next week. I hope Thanks, you Mike. You got it, guys. Thank you. You bet. Uh, here's a couple of things we need to uh, bring up here. Lars' second favorite quarterback, Andy Dalton. <laughs> What's he doing in Carolina? Including Bryce Young. Bryce Young documentary. That's all coming up on Big Noon Sports, brought to you by Amy Sansing Union Home Mortgage. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. Where will you? The universal truth of women's shoes. The cuter they are, the more they hurt. You have to put your best foot forward, and if your best foot is an ugly shoe, oh my goodness. Lisanne thought she had to choose between looking good and feeling good until she got fitted for arch supports at the Good Feet store. Now I can wear the shoes that I've picked out because I like the way they look, not because they were comfortable. Good Feet relieved her pain and her fashion dilemma. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. Finding great people to Work is a part of all of us. Working drives us to push beyond what we thought was imaginable and allows us to come together again for the things that really matter. That's why the Alabama Department of Labor and the Alabama Career Center System is here to help you discover bigger opportunities than ever before. Visit your local career center or alabamaworks.alabama.gov. Funding provided by the USDOL, ETA, and Federal WIOA, an equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available on the Brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters Association. here on Big Noon Sports. Bryce Young is now working out with the Carolina Panthers, but uh, he is second on the depth chart and one of Lars' all-time favorite quarterbacks <laughs> is taking the number one reps. Yeah, I don't know if I'd go that far, but I, I did like the Red Rifle uh, for a while when he was in Cincinnati. But Andy Dalton, uh, yeah, Frank Reich came out and said that Andy Dalton's going to take the, uh, the 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 reps with the first team uh, so when the team gathers uh, for their next camp, and that <clears throat> Bryce will be number two, and it, but it's just going to be a matter of time until. Um, until that uh, Bryce ascends to the, the the top spot, I mean, I, I'm assuming that uh, Bryce will uh, start the year as the starter. Um, but I think they just want to ease him in a little bit, uh, let him watch a, a veteran like uh, Andy, uh, who really now is uh, you know been in the league uh, 13 years, I think, and. It's unbelievable. He he's made north of a hundred million dollars, uh, actually well north of a hundred million in the league, 
Um, but uh, I think he'll be a really good mentor uh, for Bryce and be an extra set of eyes for him on the sideline. And um, he's really and, – and they're paying for it. I mean, they're, they're, they paid a hefty price to, to get Andy. I mean, I think he's the 34th highest paid quarterback uh, in the league. I just looked it up, um, making about 10 mil a year. And uh, so that money, uh, Christian, I would assume, is really it's it, it's it's almost it's it's almost more for mentoring and teaching than it is for playing. Would would you agree with that? Yes, but I'll also go as far as saying I want to say they did they sign Andy Dalton before they made the trade for the number one pick. Uh, they may have. Uh, yeah, if they, they I think I think they did. And the reason I say that is there's a chance that they weren't entirely sure they'd be trading up to the number one spot. And you look at a guy like Andy Dalton, who is a proven starter. Again, he's by no means, you know, I would I would not go as far as say he's a top quarterback in the league, but you could win some games with Andy Dalton. And so that's probably why they had to pay that that price, because there was probably a good chance he would be the starter, at least for a portion of the year. Um so that probably explains some of it, but yeah, I mean, yeah, he signed. Uh, he signed in March, uh, March fourteenth. Uh, okay. That might have been like right around the time, maybe right before, right after. But regardless, he's going to be invaluable to the Panthers because of his leadership and his mentorship to a guy like Bryce Young. And so I think right, the- sorry, sorry, I, I just want to get this correct. Yeah, it was oh, right fine. after. It was, they signed him like four days after they made the trade. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, then they then they probably knew that he'd be, uh, you know, that that transition quarterback for them. But um, regardless, um, backup quarterbacks are, are going to make a lot of money because again, they're invaluable, especially when you got a guy um, like Bryce Young who's just now coming into the league. Um, he, he's going to it's going to take some time for him to transition. And we heard Frank Wright say that, and rightfully so. I mean, hell, even the transition from last week to this week. So they had rookie minicamp, and on the field, there's only rookies. So and then they only had five guys in the draft class. Uh, so the rest of the guys on the field are undrafted guys. They probably signed 12 to 18 undrafted rookies. Um, and then there's a bunch of tryout guys. And there might be a couple second-year guys that they asked to attend. Um, but other than that, that's who you're really kind of going against in a rookie minicamp. When I say going against, I mean, you're just in helmets. But, I mean, it's normally two or three days of getting on the field, you know, going through what you just learned. You, you spend a lot of time meeting. Then you got to go out and apply it on the field. Then you'll do things like, you know, the seven on seven periods, a team, you know, Skelly will do 11 on 11. And um, that's one thing, right? But today um, is a new week. Now all those rookies and those undrafted rookies that they signed are now thrown into the fire with the rest of the team. And they're uh, taking part in traditional OTAs with all the veteran, the, the, the entire team now. And so that's going to be a transition alone because um, there's a big jump between rookie minicamp and then just regular OTAs. Because, again, I mean, I remember with me, rookie minicamp, I was with my draft class, my undrafted guys, and I I felt good out there. And I should have. I was probably one of the better players out there. I was the fourth-round pick with the team. And then I remember the next week came for regular OTAs, and I went from our, our fellow rookies to now I'm lining up with Luke Keekley, Greg Olson, Cam Newton. And so that's that's obviously a big jump from rookies to these guys. <laughs> uh, 
so and I'm not saying Bryce won't transition fine, but I'm just saying those are the kind of steps he's making. And then and he'll get acclimated quickly, right? I mean, it's not like he's going to take for it's just a, it's a big jump, but it'll be a smooth one for him because he's smart. Um, he'll 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 pick it up quick, but um, that, that's why you have a guy like Andy Dalton to kind of help that transition as, as smooth as possible and help uh, teach Bryce. You know, Andy Dalton knows what it takes to be a quarterback in this league. Um, he can help him correct his mistakes. He can help him with the things he does well as well. And uh, I, I think it's a good situation for Bryce. And I really like that they're doing that with Tim because we've seen some situations where they draft a guy, they have high expectations, and they're just they're rushing to get him out there, but he's not quite ready. And what does that do? That can kill his confidence. That can interrupt his development. It's just not in the best scenario. But here, you got Andy Dalton to play as long as you need him to play. Then whenever Bryce is ready, they'll slowly start giving him more and more reps, and then eventually he'll take over. And I think that's a great situation for both Carolina and Bryce. Speaking of Cam Newton, um, what's with this saying that, that teams don't sign him because of his hair? Uh is, yeah. is that a possibility? It just seems far-fetched to me, but I'm not on the inside either. Well, I, I think it was misconstrued a little bit, right? I, I think what he was saying was he was using his hair as an example of him just kind of being a little bit of an outlier, right? Just kind of being outside of the box. And what kind of makes him stand out is obviously his wardrobe, his attire, his hair, um, just his overall persona. And I think he was trying to basically say all of those things collectively – have made it a little more difficult for him to be signed because those, again, those things collectively have, have created this uh, perception of him. And I think that's what he was getting at. He was saying these clubs and these, these, the, these personnel, these coaches, they see him one way because number one of what they see physically, but also just of what they hear and kind of how he kind of carries himself. But basically what he was saying was he's not going to change because he embraces who he is and that's what makes him who he is. Um, and I'll be the first one to tell you, I understand what he's saying because um, I kind of had a perception of him just by seeing how he addressed the, his media press conferences and just kind of how he carried himself. Kind of came off a little arrogant at times and just kind of like, well, man, what is this guy wearing? What is he doing? <laughs> but then I got to know him on a personal level when I was with Carolina. And I was like, damn, this guy's a really good dude. Like he knows everybody on a first name basis. He comes up with nicknames for everybody. He's a team player. Uh, he works his tail off. You know, I always see him in the weight room. I always see him getting rehab. Fun guy to be around. Loves ball. I mean, he made training camp fun. He made it exciting. Um, and I was like, damn, this guy's a really good teammate. I mean, you look at even Bill Belichick. He, he goes to the Patriots. Everybody's kind of questioning and scratching their heads, trying to figure out how that's going to work. Or even myself, I was like, yeah, that's a weird fit. But then Bill Belichick is one of the first people to praise him. And talk about his work ethic and how he's just a, a tremendous teammate. And so um, I think what he's getting at is without people really getting to know him, they kind of have this perception of him. And part of that is his hair. And obviously what's going to make get the most clicks, you know, because he did say that. It came out of his mouth, but I think there was more to it. And I think that's people are kind of going off of, oh, Cam News said his hair is why he can't play. And I don't think it's that. I think it's more so what I was kind of alluding to is that it, overall collectively but a large part of that is kind of his appearance if you will matt uh one other bit of quarterback news and uh and christian uh put this in our text thread earlier is that uh dylan rayola the number one overall recruit in the country of the class of 2024 he's a quarterback out of uh phoenix arizona he just committed to play at georgia 
Um, his dad is a, a center at Nebraska. He was one of the most uh, coveted or one of the most celebrated offensive linemen in the school's history. His, his name is literally on the stadium. Uh, and he uh, narrowed his choices. Uh, he first committed to Ohio State, then he decommitted, and now he was picking between Nebraska, USC, and Georgia, and he uh, pulled the trigger today on Georgia. So this puts uh, uh, Georgia in really good position um, at the quarterback position for a while. Uh, Georgia didn't sign a quarterback in the 2023 cycle, but they had, they have uh, Gunnar Stockton uh, from 2022. He was an ESPN 300 recruit. And they have Carson Beck, uh, who will likely be the starter. But once Rayola gets onto campus, uh, Beck will be a senior. And then Rayola will, will presumably, you know, just step in and start as a sophomore, uh, kind of the same way that, that Bryce Young did. And so um, it's a big get, a really big get for Kirby Smart. And, um, man, uh, it, 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 I think it puts pressure on Alabama to really land that game-changing player at quarterback because, I mean, they, they, you've, I've, I've, I've been following this closely, and you've had guys who cover recruiting for a living saying that Rayola is the best uh, prospect at the quarterback position to come out of high school in, like, the last 10 years. Uh, you know, but it seems like they say that every year, right? With Arch Manning. Didn't they say that about Arch Manning? Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I know. I'm just yeah, saying yeah, he, this kid is good. Uh, in the first go around, Alabama was a, a finalist, but uh, he ultimately decided to go with Georgia. So it's a, it's a big win, big win for uh, Kirby Smart and, uh, and, and Mike Bobo. And Mike Bobo is really – He's doing a um, a good job of uh, of uh, of just uh, uh, of recruiting. I, I, I underestimated Mike Bobo as a recruiter, but uh, he, he's doing a good job of getting really talented kids to come to Georgia. Well, Alabama does have Julian Sand uh, committed to them for the class of twenty twenty four, who's uh, on twenty four seven Sports Composite, which I think kind of takes. Uh, all the services and, and, and creates an average. He's the number two quarterback in the class behind uh, Dylan Rayola, who just committed to Georgia. So they, they technically have the second best quarterback ah, in the recruiting okay. class uh, and Julian Sand, but they got to hold on to him right now. And uh, he seems to be a good player. He's out of California. Um, not quite as big. He's 6'1", 195 is what he's listed at. Um, so I think he could be a good player. I've watched a little bit of him, but uh, like I said, with nowadays, you got to keep recruiting these guys until oh, <laughs> not yeah. even just till they sign. I mean, you got to keep recruiting until they sign. You got to keep recruiting them year in, year out. So, <laughs> yeah, it's ever going. You know, and based on the climate of today in college football recruiting and transfer portals, so and NIL, I'm really surprised he didn't go to USC. To be blunt, uh, hey, when we get back. Uh, pretty big time signing that uh, for the Falcons that I hope really works out. We'll get into that on the other side of the break. Big news sports. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. 
securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. From our home base right here in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation. Across the United States. And from around the world. As respected industry leaders, we are here. Working hard for you. In an effort to provide you with... Excellence in sports medicine. Excellence in research and education. And excellence in sports injury prevention. We are here for you, aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. You've probably seen their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. It's luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern-day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Mizzenamain. And if you haven't tried the Mizzenamain dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at christophermobley.shop. So check out Chris Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel, redefined. Work is a part of all of us. Working drives us to push beyond what we thought was imaginable and allows us to come together again for the things that really matter. That's why the Alabama Department of Labor and the Alabama Career Center System is here to help you discover bigger opportunities than ever before. Visit your local career center or alabamaworks.alabama.gov. Funding provided by the USDOL, PTA, and Federal WIOA, an equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request. Brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters Association. COVID-19 has disrupted our lives, but it won't have the last word. We will. Across Alabama, thousands are getting vaccinated to protect themselves and others. Find out where you can get the COVID vaccine today at alabamaunites.com. Please get vaccinated. If you have symptoms, also get tested for COVID-19. Alabama Unites Against COVID. Sponsored by the ADPH, the ABA, and this station. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A hot, humid afternoon. The chance of scattered showers and thunderstorms through tonight. The high today, 90. Tonight's low, 67. For tomorrow, a mixture of clouds and sunshine with scattered showers and thunderstorms around. The high at 87. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 90 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Back on Big Noon Sports, brought to you by Haley Stansing, Union Home Mortgage. Uh, hey, guys, a uh, short segment here before we get to the top of the hour. Uh, but I was uh, very pleased to read that in a weekend kind of tryout, they call it a rookie camp, Slade Bolton has signed a contract for the Atlanta Falcons. He's one of those guys you just always pull for. Uh, I will say that I think he probably went a year too early. But you played with the guy, Christian. Um, can he make it as like a three or a four receiver on an NFL team? I think so. And I think what he has working in his favor is uh, his ability to be a returner. 
Um, the more things you can do, uh, the more opportunities you'll be given. Uh, and that's how it works in the NFL. It's a limited number of guys on the team. Um, so you got to be able to do multiple things. And I think that's what he has in his favor. But um, overall, man, really shifty guy, a uh, guy that can get open, uh, run really good routes. Um, and, and I'm really happy for him. A guy that's really been working his tail off trying to get another opportunity. He was having a, a great training camp with Baltimore last year, but unfortunately had to undergo sports hernia surgery, which I myself had while I was in Alabama. So um, that kind of sidelined him, and we, don't, we all know how it goes. You can't make the club in the tub, unfortunately, um, unless you're one of those guys who's a premier uh, player at the top of the echelon. So um, unfortunately, he, he uh, was waived by Baltimore, but he's finally getting another opportunity with Atlanta. Um, but, man, great guy and just a good player. And speaking of good, always want to give a big shout-out to my friends over at the Good Feet store. If you're in any type of pain, foot pain, knee pain, or back pain, Head on over to the Good Feet store in Midtown Village in Tuscaloosa or go to goodfeet.com to schedule an appointment. It's try before you buy. You've got nothing to lose. So go on over there. Let them get you fitted. If you like them, you can walk out that very same day. Again, that's Good Feet over in Midtown Village in Tuscaloosa or goodfeet.com. That's Good Feet, improving the quality of people's lives two feet at a time. Christian, is that sports hernia injury uh, as painful as it sounds? Yeah, so mine, I didn't, it wasn't like an initial like, oh, you know, I just, Basically what a sports hernia is, because a regular hernia is, is a lot different than a sports hernia. A sports hernia is basically like tearing in the groins. Um, so it's not always just like a sudden injury. It's normally over time. Guys that do a lot of cutting and planning and turning. So like I'm a pass rusher, me bending the edge and turning sharp angles, that contributed to it. Him being a shifty receiver, that contributed to it. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's the surgery itself is, is what sucks is because it sidelines you for so long. And uh, luckily, thanks to our good friends over at Andrew Sports Medicine and Dr. Kane, they were able to repair mine and during the spring, and I was able to get back uh, in time uh, to play the upcoming season. But um, it's definitely not fun, Lars. It, it, it's, it, it's very painful to run and cut and do the things that you used to doing. Yeah, you know, and, and I, I always thought Slade um, had a good chance to make it in the NFL. Just that he's got that short space quickness, his returner. Um, he could be, I think, a really good, uh, like, number four slot receiver. Um, so, yeah, I'd, uh, good luck to him. You know, I don't think this will happen in the NFL, but didn't he take a few snaps under center, behind center? He was a high school quarterback. That's right. <laughs> good trickery. I think he weapon. played against Tennessee. He threw a pass, and he can also run the football. So you're right. He's multi-talented, and maybe that'll help him with the Falcons. I sure would like to see him playing in the NFL. All right, guys. Thanks to all. Thanks to our sponsors. We appreciate you listening, and we'll be back again in 22 hours. Big Sports.